0: Hey everyone, welcome to Generation Church. We're so glad you're here. Before service starts, we wanna tell you about some tools we have to help you stay connected to what's happening here at GC. In a couple of minutes, we're gonna have a powerful time of worship and hear an impactful message straight from God's word that we know will both challenge and encourage you today.
1: It's going to be such a great day. If you are newer to our church family or maybe this is your first time here, welcome home. We would love to get to know you. One of the best ways to get connected is to fill out a Connect card. You can find those in the seatbacks or by scanning the QR code.
0: We can't wait to meet you and connect with you this week. At GC, staying connected with our church family is so important. The best way to stay up to date with all things Generation Church is to head to our website, generation.church, where you can download our app and stay in the loop with what's happening next.
1: Make sure you have the GC app so that you don't miss out on upcoming events and resources that we offer. God is doing big things through our church and we want you to know that you're a part of that. By faithfully and generously giving, you are helping us reach people so that they can experience new life in Jesus. You can give through the GC app, the website, or in person. If you want more information on that, check out the seat back in front of you.
0: God is moving in and through Generation Church and our life groups are no exception to that. We don't want you to do life alone. Life groups are one of the most important ways that we're able to stay connected. There are many different life groups to choose from and we know there's a group for you. Head to our website or the GC app and check out the current groups we offer.
1: Life groups are a great tool to use for us to stay connected. We truly are better together. If you have any hurts, habits, or hangups, Celebrate Recovery is a powerful group that will support and encourage you on the journey of recovery. Join us in Mesa on Tuesday nights or South Mountain on Thursday nights. You can just show up or go to our website to sign up. Your church family is here for you.
0: Thank you again for joining us today. Our service is about to begin.
2: one of our campuses across the valley, or you're joining us online today, we really just are so grateful that you are here worshiping our great God with us. And we know and believe that God has brought you here for a reason today. And no matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're facing, God wants to speak to you today. He wants to encourage your heart and He wants to minister to you as we join together and praise His mighty name. If this is your first time joining us, welcome home. We are so glad that you are here and it's an honor that you chose to worship with us today. We would love to get to know you a little bit and help you get plugged in and connected to all that God is doing here at Generation Church. And the best way that we can connect with you is if you fill out a connect card. You'll find one in the seat back pocket in front of you, or you can just scan the QR code. And then when church is over today, make sure you stop by the connection point in the corner of our lobby. There'll be a friendly face there to meet you, to answer any questions that you may have about the church. And we also have a gift that we would love to give you today just to say thank you so much for worshiping with us. And we do love to worship Jesus boldly and passionately here at Generation Church. We know that God is good, that Jesus is alive, and He deserves our worship today. So I invite you to worship Him freely. Feel free to sing out to God and lift your hands to our great Savior today. And then Pastor Ryan is a uh, continuing our sermon series on the Ten Commandments. And it is just going to be an incredible and powerful day in God's house here at Generation Church. So let's open up our hearts to what God has for us today. Let's invite him into this room as we pray together. Lord, we love you. You are so good and you are so faithful. And so, Lord, we turn to you today, Lord. We open up our hearts to you. And we ask that you would move in our midst, Lord, you would move in our lives today. Lord, we know that you have brought us here for a reason. And Lord, we never take it for granted that we get to gather with your people to worship you. So Lord, we invite your presence into this place. Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in our lives. We're here to have a real life-changing encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. You are worthy, you are holy, and you are good. We worship you and you alone. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen, come on church, let's worship today.
3: Those days we love this. Come on. Sadly, dear, I Surely, it was through. But since when as impossible, never stopped. Disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when as impossible ever stopped to Oh, come on, let's sing it together tonight. This is the sound of oh. dry bones rattling.
4: This is the place that a dead man walk again.
3: Open the grave. If I'm calling out, I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones trying to live. With a gust of fire, stirring something new. You're not going on run. Out
4: The resurrection power
3: If there's anything that he can do Just ask the stone that was grown There's a sling in my voice And a storm in my praise Pushing back when the darkest weapons form. There's a power on my lips Even death can't defy When the name of our God is lifted high Cause there is resurrection we sing the name of Jesus Resurrection Power When we raise a mighty shout So come, come on and let praise. Loud.
4: Then, then come let on, let's breathe
3: out. There is
4: resurrection
3: power in his name. There are days I have seen Filled with heartache and loss. That I bury my heart beneath it away Every time this praise breaks out dead things rise up from the ground I won't leave my song beside that
4: empty grave Cause there is resurrection. Your praise be loud, make that exceeding great resound. There is resurrection, how? In his name.
3: In his name. Come on, let's sing it together. Come out of that when we sing. God tears, let go of those chains. Let go of those chains when we praise. Come on, lift your voice and
4: come out of that when we sing. God let go of those chains. Let go of those chains when we. we Let your praise and loud Make that empty grave resound There is this resurrection out Oh, come on, let's sing it together Dead men come out of thy grave Come out of thy grave When we sing Come on, lift it up today Let go of those dreams Let go of those dreams
3: Come on, I believe that in the same way that Jesus called Lazarus to come forth. He's resurrecting things in your life today.
4: He's resurrecting dreams. Fear is turning into faith today. Come on, let's sing it. Lift your voice. Come out of out of When we sing Captain, go are lift up. Come out of that i done
3: don't want what we have, we want all that you are. we have nothing to give, but all of us, we worship your name, and you stand alone, you love like no It's worthy of You, the song that You worship, the praise You are to. Your mercy is so rich, Your love is so great. You save us from death. You rose from the grave.
4: Oh yeah. So we are. The God above. we raise a song to You. A sacrifice of praise, returning Your
3: love. Well, if you're comfortable with it, today, won't you lift your hands in this place? That we worship You today every blessing that you poured out upon us we give back to you in praise oh God we worship you Jesus come on let's sing this together today and as we lift our heads we lift our hearts as you feel us I feel a deep heart as we Set us apart as you move in we the revival starts as we lift our heads, We lift our hearts as you will us Our fear departs as we learn from God, we love you and we worship you today. We thank you for your presence that's in the room. We honor you in this place, oh God. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen and amen. You may be seated.
5: Amen, amen. Well, hey, it's good to be together with you on the Lord's Day. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? I want to welcome those of you who are joining us in Mesa. If you're at South Mountain at Fountain Hills online, we're glad that we get to come together. Today we're going to be continuing our series on the Ten Commandments. We're going to be talking about the Fifth Commandment, which says to honor your father and your mother. We're about halfway through the Ten Commandments. That's good, right? we got a ways to go. But just remember when you're reading the Bible, the goal is not just to get through it. It's to get God's word through you. Today, some of you are going to love this sermon. Some of you will hate it. Nobody is going to walk away and say, that was my favorite sermon ever. (laughs) Honoring your father and mother. This is what it says in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Can I do something we don't normally do? Can we just read this all together out loud? Read it with me. It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Great job, come on, that was awesome. So this wasn't just a command for kids In Sunday school, but also for adults, which is why I wanted to have you read it. I have not always been good at keeping this command. And that's one of the things that happens when you study the commands of God. You become very aware and conscious of all the times you've broken the commands of God. And that was actually one of the purposes of God's law was to highlight our sinfulness. And I have been a little sinner. I mean, there's been some some times that Man, I was a rebellious kid and very difficult. I was the firstborn in my family, my younger siblings. It was one of those situations where they saw how much trouble I caused and got in. And they said, I don't wanna be like that. And so they just didn't have to deal with learning the hard way as much as I did. Um, But if you're a parent and you've got a rebellious, difficult child, you have a reason to hope, okay? Just look at your pastor. If God could reach him, he can reach anyone. So no difficult child is beyond God's reach. Even as an adult, I've struggled to follow this commandment. Even as a pastor, I've struggled to follow this commandment. When I first came back from the army and started working in the church after I felt called in the ministry, I remember... One of my first uh, staff meetings, after I became the lead pastor, I was young and my dad was there in the conference room with us, our church was way smaller. We used to have our whole staff meeting in one conference room. I think there was like eight to 10 people in the room. And it took me time to get used to working with my family. There's a lot of good things that come about working with parents or with your family, but there's a lot of challenges too. And this one day, you know, I don't even remember what was said exactly, but my dad said something that just irritated me. And I like said some rude remark back to him. It was very dishonoring in front of everybody. And it was awkward. Everybody just got really awkward and quiet, like, ooh. <laughs> and afterwards I left the staff meeting. I, I go to my office and I feel really embarrassed and convicted by the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I'm supposed to be the lead pastor of this church. And I just dishonored my father in front of the whole church. So I had to call the whole church staff to gather around my office so I could repent to all of them. Katie was there. She remembers that. And uh, it was weird and really awkward. But I'll just tell you, you know it's going to be a good sermon when it starts out with the pastor confessing his sins. (laughs) So... In Hebrew, this word "honor" is the word "kaved," and it's translated to honor or glorify. And most Hebrew words have a three-consonant root word to them, and so this word, the root word, literally means heavy. To treat your parents with honor is to treat them as if they are heavy, significant, a big deal. The same word is used to be translated as often burden. And some of you say, oh, that sounds more like my parents. <laughs> but to honor them is to treat them as a big deal. In fact, it says this in Exodus 21, whoever curses his father or mother shall be put to death. This word in Hebrew, curses, it's often translated as dishonor. And the root word for that is light. To treat them as light, insignificant, meaningless, Not a big deal. So why is the fifth commandment so important? You know, I love being a dad. uh, But there's been some times when I kind of zoned out in dad mode, like watching a football game, let's say. And my wife is trying to take care of our daughter and be a good mom. And she's having a meltdown. Our little three-year-old daughter will be having a meltdown. And my wife, you know, will get kind of frustrated. And she's like wanting some help. And she'll be like, Ryan, honey, can you give me a little help here? And, you know, I've done, I've done that dad thing where I'm, like, paying attention to something else, and I just kind of like, you know, hey, yeah, l- listen to your mom. <laughs> and and sometimes I think we read the Ten Commandments, and there's, like, no other gods before me, and don't murder, and in the middle, it's like we think God just threw in this distracted, yeah, listen to your mom, in between taking care of orphans and stuff. He just threw this one in there to throw a bone to the parents who are raising difficult kids. But the fifth commandment is a big deal. It's actually the key to a prosperous society. In Ephesians 6, 2, it says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The first, this is the first commandment, that comes with a promised reward. This reward was primarily for all the people as a nation, but secondarily also for the individual. Practically on an individual level, for each and every one of you, if you honor your parents when you're a child as you're growing up, you are likely to avoid a lot of pain. Isn't that true? You know, parents will tell their kids things like, don't play with fire. I didn't always listen to that command don't stick scissors in the outlets. just like we talked about when God says don't he usually means don't hurt yourself and it's often the same with parents parents will say you know you got to look both ways before you cross the street if you listen to them and honor what they say you're going to avoid a lot of pain my dad as a teenager for years he told me that I should marry Amy And I didn't treat his words as heavy, as significant. I was just like, oh, dad, you're so dumb. (laughs) Well, guess what? I was dumb and he was right. (laughs) I should have listened. And this commandment does come with the promise that you'll live a long life, although When you honor your parents, this isn't necessarily a promise that you can't experience harm. Sometimes young people who are very honoring to their parents still die tragic young deaths. So this isn't about guaranteeing you a long life necessarily as an individual. Although if you honor and obey your parents as a kid, it definitely improves your odds of living a long life. This reward was primarily a promise to the people collectively. The Hebrew people didn't receive the Ten Commandments in a Christian society. They received it in the wilderness. They just left a pagan society of false gods in idol worship. And God is telling them that you as parents need to teach your kids so that they know that the way to living a blessed life is with the Lord. Otherwise, these kids are likely to grow up ignorant and confused And fall back into worshiping idols. And so God gives his command to children to honor their parents. Listen, God's command to honor our parents, he commands us to do this so that we'll learn to honor him. This is why he commands us to honor our parents. Because he wants us to learn to honor him. Honor for your parents is the conduit to honoring God. And honor for God is the foundation of a flourishing society. And here we are again in America now as a post-Christian society. That means there are still a lot of ruins and relics from when we were a Christian nation. But most of the people around us today don't actually know God. They know about him, but they don't necessarily live for him. It's important as ever today for parents to teach their kids to know the Lord. It's not a coincidence that in totalitarian evil governments throughout history, one of the first things they do is they try to undermine the authority of parents in society with their own children. So that children become loyal to and taught by the state rather than their own parents, which allows the children to be molded and shaped for the devil's purposes. This was true for the Nazis, it's true for the communists, and it's also true today for radical left-wing social justice activists. There are liberals and activists who think that public school teachers are better equipped to shape kids than their own parents. In Old Testament times, one of the things that happened is when Israel was conquered by Babylon, many of the young men were taken off into captivity away from their families and castrated, made as eunuchs to be raised in the ways of the pagan Babylonians. Today, there are progressive social justice warriors who want to confuse kids about their gender and sexuality in the classroom and then keep those things secret from the parents, teaching their kids that parents aren't safe. You see the same pattern repeating again and again. The Bible is not just an old book. It's a timeless book, right? It tells you what always happens, not just what happened. The fifth commandment, though, tells children to honor their parents, but God's word also commands parents to actively teach their children. In Deuteronomy 6, it says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. Talk about them diligently. Teach them to your children diligently when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you sit down, when you lie, when you rise, all the time, all the all the places, during all the activities. Now, I want to point that out because you know sometimes parents, when you're when you're Christian parents and you love the Lord, you think, well, the way I'm gonna teach my kids about the Lord is to have a family Bible study. How many of you just enjoyed family Bible study growing up? <laughs> well, speaking for myself as a rebellious little kid, I did not. I was never like, oh, gee, can we study the Bible together as a family? That sounds great. Now, that's just me. Maybe you're much more godly than I am. I'm sure my wife loved family Bible study as a kid. (laughs) But the most important lessons I got about the Lord were probably in the car and sitting in the fishing boat. And as I walked around the block, my parents just instructing me and talking to me and bringing things back to the Lord and his truth. And so for you, it might be around the dinner table as kids are telling you about their day. It might be that you pause the movie you're watching when something weird happens so that you can address it with your kids from a biblical perspective. It's gonna be in the car as you're driving. It's gonna be as you're out walking, as you're playing, just talking to them about the Lord and the things of the Lord. This is probably the most effective way to transfer your faith from one generation to the next. And it's through parents that God intended faith to be transferred from one generation to the next. What pastors do at church should be just a bonus, like icing on top, a cherry on top, right? The parents start the process. Secular worldly thinking today says, "Well, I'm going to let my kids make their own choices as to their faith." And I've heard parents say that even and around church they have to find their own way i don't want to shove my religion down their throat i don't force them to come to church i'm just hoping someday they will i just want them to be happy here's the thing nobody who actually believes what god's word says about heaven or hell talks that way If you actually believe what God says, that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory and that the wages of sin is death, and that death leads to eternity eternity separated from God in torment in hell, but that Jesus came to give us life and he died on the cross for our sins and he makes us possible for us to be reconciled to God and have eternal life with God, being together with him in heaven and in his presence there is fullness of joy. You know like, okay, I've got to help my kids come to know the one true way to be saved. We got to do everything we can to teach our kids that Jesus is the way, the only way to the father, the only way to salvation, that every other religious system, it's not an alternative lifestyle. It's a deception of the enemy that leads to hell. Now, listen, parents, you can't make your children believe, but you can make it hard for them to doubt. You can't just force communion down their throat, sprinkle some water on them, holy confirmation, you're a Christian. No, you can't force saving faith on them, but you can make it hard for them not to believe in the way that you live your life. You teach them the word of the Lord and protect them from the lies of the devil. Model righteous living and the blessing that comes with it. You repent of your own sins when you're wrong and give mercy to others when they're wrong. You sacrifice doing what feels good for what is good. You stay consistent in your faith For a long time, knowing that the devil will use inconsistency to shout hypocrisy. You teach your kids that we're saved by God's grace and not perfection. You bring your kids to church on the Lord's Day as often as possible. Parents. I understand extracurricular activities are fine. They're great. But the problem for many parents today is they've classified church as just another extracurricular activity. When in reality, it's essential. There is a 0.5% chance that your child will ever play professional sports, but a 100% chance that they'll spend eternity somewhere. So you gotta prioritize church attendance. Every time I see someone lose intimacy with the Lord, it is preceded by a decrease in frequency of church attendance. So make it a priority. I know some days people get sick, sometimes you know things come up, you go on vacation, and, and if you're watching online right now, I promise I'm not bringing a guilt trip your way. This, this, you don't need to cringe right now. But it, there's something about gathering together with God's people, and the main reason to prioritize church attendance is not because the service is better in person, it is. It's because, right? It's because you want to establish a pattern of gathering with God's people. You want your kids to feel strange not going to church. God commanded children to honor their parents so that they'd listen to the word of God and learn the ways of God and find salvation through the one true God. It was so serious that breaking this command in ancient Israel could bring the death penalty. It says this in Deuteronomy 21. This is wild. Suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. In such a case, the father and mother must take the son to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. The parents must say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his town must stone him to death. In this way, he will purge this evil from among you, and all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. Another great verse for family Bible study. <laughs> Okay, so let's point a few things out. (laughs) First off, This wasn't like a one strike and you're dead kind of rule. As you see, this was a person who refuses to obey, even though they're disciplined and they got chance after chance. Otherwise we'd all be dead, right? You know, everyone in the nation of Israel would have been smitten if this was like a one strike and you're out kind of thing. Also, when I discussed the law in a previous sermon, I made example of a situation like this where it's describing the prescribed punishment for the nation of Israel Israel as a society. The punishment was part of the societal law. So for Christians living today, we would not apply this in our situation in the same way. We're not stoning any kids up in here, okay? Just want to be very clear about that for the record. (laughs) Get it on video. But why was this so intense for them? Okay, because in Old Testament times, The only way to be saved was by faith in the one true God, just like today. But for them, believing in God automatically resulted in belonging to God's people. And God's people were the nation of Israel. All Israel was God's people, the saved people, his chosen people. It was Israel. And faith had to be passed on from one generation to the next. If kids dishonored their parents, they'd also end up rejecting the faith of their parents And the people of Israel were the vehicle of salvation God would use to offer eternal life to the whole world. God did not want a cancer of unbelief to spread from one person to the next. So he commanded his people to cut it out. The punishment sounds pretty extreme, and it is, but that's because the eternal consequences of dishonoring God are also extreme. In our day and age, we don't sentence dishonoring children to get the death penalty. Thank God. Anyone? Amen. Amen. His mercies are new every morning. And That's good because your kids are rebellious every morning. But here's the reality. There's a spiritual reality. Children who refuse to honor their parents put themselves in jeopardy of spiritual death. Because remember in Ephesians 6... It reminded kids to honor their parents, but it also reminded fathers. Fathers, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's not just kids honor your parents, but parents, teach your kids. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This command is for New Testament believers to us today who serve the Lord. we Yeah, we want to teach kids to honor their parents. But parents, God commands you to instruct your kids and discipline them in the Lord. This is important because the implications are so big. Whether or not you know the Lord, we got to teach our kids about Jesus. And we know that if they refuse to honor their parents, they're also putting themselves at risk of dishonoring and ultimately rejecting Jesus. And that pathway leads to pain and the potential for destruction. This is why parents must discipline their children. This is the part of the sermon where, oh, I'm going to step on some toes. So just bear with me. Biblical discipline is connected to instruction. So it requires teaching and guiding, but also punishing your children when necessary. It's not just taking out your anger on them when they get to be frustrating and difficult. But there's a process to discipline that requires guiding, nurturing, instructing. Punishment of children brings up a lot of awkward feelings and concerns in our world today especially. But discipline in and of itself is godly. Hebrews 12 verse 6 says this, "...for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child." As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? Well, I've heard of some. But those fathers weren't loving. This passage is teaching us here. God disciplines you because you're his child. Because he's loving. That's what loving parents do. Now, parents today... We're not perfect like God, and we won't always discipline our kids perfectly. Some of you were disciplined by parents in an ungodly way. Discipline should be done with mercy, with grace, with love. It should be firm, but never abusive. I feel like that goes without saying, but there are some things you have to clarify. Parents, you know each kid is different, right? What works for one kid when you have to discipline them isn't necessarily required for another kid. Every family, you kind of see that the makeup of the kids is different from one to the the next, right? Some kids, like me, when I was a child, very few things got my attention like fear. (laughs) Yelling at me, didn't care, I'll yell right back. Take away my privileges, fine. But fear is a powerful motivator. That's why the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's gonna grow from there, but fear isn't a bad place to start. And my mom, man, sometimes I gave her so much hell. My poor mother. There are so many rewards waiting for her in heaven (laughs) just based on the fact that she didn't strangle me in my sleep. I wouldn't blame her, honestly. But when she said these words, right? Wait till your father gets home. It was like, oh wait, it it like, it shook me out of my rebellious rage and the consequences of impending doom became clear. My father was affectionate. He was gentle. He was loving. And I know he did not like disciplining his kids, but he would because he was a loving father. He was bigger than me. He was stronger than me and he could spank me till it hurt. Right. And I tried telling him a couple times, that didn't hurt. And he said, Oh, really? <laughs> I only said that one time. <laughs> and that stopped me in many cases, those moments of being spanked by my dad. It stopped me from sinning and hurting myself in a much worse way than a temporary sting on my rear end. I've heard some adults argue that spanking is abusive, and I'm sure it can be at times uh, if it's not done properly. I've heard people say, you know, I'm not going to hit my kid. I would say it's not hitting, it's spanking. Second, there's a reason God gave you so much cushion there, (laughs) right? And I'd argue that in most cases, it's actually more abusive not to. Nobody has ever managed to inform me that they were never spanked and surprise me at the same time. They'll say, you know, I was never spanked, and i always like, I can tell. <laughs> this is in no way shocking to me. There are definitely less people spanking their kids today than at any other time in human history, and I would just ask, how's it going out there? I found an article in the Seattle Times. They reported the proportion of parents who spanked their children has declined from 50% in 1993 to 35% in 2017, according to a new report of the American Journal of Pediatrics. Meanwhile, Seattle, where this was reported, has also declined from a nice city to a human dumpster fire. <laughs> now, some of you can't spank your kids because maybe you're raising foster kids. Uh, But you can still discipline and instruct them. Some of you might have a hard time with spanking or corporal punishment because maybe you had an abusive past and that just brings up too many complicated feelings. You can still figure out other ways to discipline your kids that work. Because here's the thing. The key isn't the physical spanking. The important thing is intentional discipline. Parents, some of them won't like the idea of disciplining their kids, and some of them won't do it because they care more about what they want as parents being liked by their kids than what their kids need, which is to be disciplined by their parents. A parent who won't discipline his children hates his children, but a father disciplines the ones that he loves. So you gotta find a way that works for you. It could be time out or taking away privileges or a spanking or just a firm talking to. Maybe you don't even need punishment, but it's important that we discipline our kids because we love them and we want them to grow up in the instruction of the Lord. And we want temporary pain to prevent them from greater pain later. So like with our little daughter, you know, she's young and she's three and she's adorable and we don't like having to discipline her. We try to be very gracious when she's tired. We try to give her extra grace because she's young. It takes her mind while to process things. You know, we're not just like looking for an excuse to discipline our adorable, beautiful daughter. But the goal is that she's got to react when her mom and dad say stop and understand this isn't a negotiation. Because one day, stop could save her from running out in front of a car or stepping on a snake or falling off a cliff. Discipline is loving and prevents children from destruction. Now, the way that you honor your parents will change as you age. As a child, honoring your parents requires obedience. Uh, Ephesians 6, 1. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, honor your father and mother. Okay, so when parents tell their kids what to do, it should not be a negotiation. Kids need to know that like when mom and dad say, do this, that means do it. And we're not gonna count to three. I'm not gonna tell you three times. My word is gospel the first time. And, And so I think it's good. Teach your kids. Listen right away. Don't teach them not to listen until the third time you say something. Because, like I said, one day listening and obedience could save their lives. When you're young, you're commanded by God to obey your parents. That means you do what they say, with the exception being you don't have to obey a parent telling you to sin. Because God's commands trump any command from an adult. Uh, But once you become an adult, you don't any longer have to obey your parents. How many of you are like, thank God. I don't wanna do what they tell me to do. You don't have to obey your parents once you move out on your own. You become your own adult man of the house. You're a grown woman. Okay, you're no longer under their roof. You're living on your, you don't have to do what they say any longer, but you still have to honor them. Now this part could be hard for some of you because some of you had really good parents. Some of you had no parents. Some of you had maybe evil parents. Everyone has been hurt By their parents. And that's because all parents are people, and people sin, and sin hurts people. So even the very best parents will, in some way, at some time, hurt their kids. It's why parents have to teach their kids about forgiveness and grace, because as parents, you're gonna need it. So when you do make a mistake, it's important to go to them and say, hey, I'm sorry for what I did. That was wrong. Please forgive me. That's teaching them about God's grace. And that's very important. But God recognizes all your complex emotions that are swirling around in your heart towards your parents. And that's what we see. Jesus says this in Matthew 19, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Notice this, God doesn't command you to love or admire your parents, but he does command you to honor them. It's interesting, right? The question would be, how can you honor someone who maybe did something terrible? How could you honor a parent who abused you or molested you or abandoned you? The short answer is I'm not sure. I don't know what that would entail, Necessarily, in every situation, there is a saying that lawyers have: "Bad cases make bad law." And what that means is, we don't want to go off the worst-case scenario to form rules that wouldn't apply in less extreme cases. I would say, no matter what's happened to you, God still wants you to forgive. Yeah. But honoring that parent—what does that look like? Man, that's a hard conversation in some of those extreme cases. But even when you weren't hurt in a terrible, extreme, evil way, many of you have mixed emotions and a range of feelings with your parents and towards your parents. And so I go back to this. God doesn't command you to love them, like them, or admire them. He does command you to honor them. So some of the ways that you do that, I want to talk about that. And some of you, maybe you can't imagine, like, wow, well, how would I possibly honor my parents? They weren't good people. I don't, I don't like them. I don't respect them. I don't honor them. The biblical word for respect and honor basically the same word. Sometimes people say, like, I don't respect them. They mean, like, I don't feel respect for them. That's what you feel, but honor is what you do. And so I found a good teaching from John Piper that summarized seven ways to honor a dishonorable parent that I want to kind of bring and present to you. And I would say with these seven ways, at least four of them, you could apply to even a dishonorable parent. You could still honor them. So how do you honor a dishonorable parent? First, you can honor them as human beings made in the image of God. Every single one of us, we are created in God's image. And that's why we treat people different than animals. In James 3.9, it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Even criminals who perform terrible acts, they don't get shot in the street like a rabid dog that bit someone. They get a trial and a jury. Why? Because they're made in the image of God, and so they're treated with a degree of honor. Here's the second thing. You can honor your parents because of your natural relationship as God established it. You are made in the image of God, but God co-created you with your parents. God chose your parents to contribute the genetic material that made you as good looking as you are. If you like any attributes that you have, whether it's your personality or your eyes, you can thank on some level who, the people who raised you as your parents. They chose to feed you, they changed your diapers, they nourished you, they taught you. On some level, God, he is the one who gives us life and he keeps us alive, but he does that in partnership with our parents. And so if no other reason, you can honor your parents because they're the ones God gave you as parents. They're the ones God used to bring you into this world and that allows you to honor them to at least some extent. Third, you can honor them because of their God-ordained authority. The Bible teaches us about honoring authority as a result of just the role that authority has in our lives. In 1 Peter 2, it says, fear God, honor the emperor. There are certain roles that God uses as authority figures in our lives, and we should honor those people. For example, parents or teachers or pastors or bosses, masters, police, military commanders, governing leaders, just because of the role that they are in, God says we should honor them. Never more than God, but we should honor them because they're appointed in our life by God. Fourth, we can honor our parents because of the worth of their work. The worth of their work. First Thessalonians five says this: Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. Now I gotta say, I like this verse. I like this verse. Like, that's a good verse right there. Pa- Every pastor likes this verse. They're like, how often can I read that verse in a given year? That's a good one right there. Uh, so what what God is saying here is is with like your spiritual leaders. You should honor them because of the worth of their work. This is true with pastors, but it's also true with parents because parents should be their children's first pastors. It's one thing to teach your kids to count to 10, but it's another thing to teach them the 10 commandments. It's one thing to teach your kids how to stay alive. It's another thing to teach your kids how to find eternal life. The worth of that spiritual investment in kids it's so significant so man if your kids taught you anything about god or rather if your parents taught you anything about god uh, your kids teach you things about god too like his patience but Man, maybe all your parents did was put food on the table consistently, and that kept you alive. You can thank them for the worth of their work. But man, if they taught you about God in any way, if you learned anything true from them, you can honor your pastors and your parents because they're worthy of honor. Here is the fifth reason. You can honor your parents because of their age. We as a society today tend to be disrespectful towards the elderly when we should be honoring the elderly for no other reason than that they are old. This is what God says, Leviticus 19. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. And you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. I mean, this is powerful. Here's God telling you, To honor the elderly, and then he tags that commandment with, you better, because you should fear me. I'm the Lord. Man, we got older people here today. You just need to leave that just for men jail aside. You don't need that Botox. That gray hair is a crown of wisdom. God tells us to honor you for it. You look in the mirror and you're like, I don't like those wrinkles. You should like those wrinkles if God just told us to honor the old man with a wrinkly old face. (laughs) Stand up in his presence and give him respect because they're old. And I know some of you are younger. You're like, well, old people, they they don't know anything. You'd be surprised what they know and what you don't know. I know some young people are like, well, old people are so cranky. Well, I'd say if you had to live through what they lived through, you'd probably be cranky too. We should honor them because they've made it through some hard stuff. Younger people, we should honor those who are older because their contribution to society in the past gave you the opportunity you have to enjoy life today. So if no other reason, just honor your parents because they're older than you. Six, we should honor them because of their weakness. As parents age especially, they start to get weak physically. At one point they could whoop you good. Now maybe you got to carry them in the house. They start to get weak mentally. They start to tell you the same stories again and again. But the Holy Spirit of God draws out honor for those who are weaker. In 1 Peter 3, it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. This is a fun passage. I I love this passage all by itself. It's kind of like God saying, you know, men are like a Stanley thermos. Women are like the fine goblets. (laughs) Treat those women with respect as the the fancy vessel. They're weaker weaker physically, but they're co-heirs with you of God's grace. This is true. Our response to those who are weaker should be, because of Christ in us, not to exploit them or mock them or abuse them, but to honor them. And then seventh, you can honor your parents freely without any reason at all. This is honor that is freely bestowed without any reference to their quality as a person or as a parent, their rank, their virtues, or anything that's wrong with them, this is a way of honoring that's not in response to honorableness, but it bestows honor freely. The Apostle Paul in Scripture roots this way of honoring in the mind of Christ, who showed his sacrificial love for us on the cross. In Philippians 2, it says, In humility count others more significant, The name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. Jesus allowed himself, despite being the Son of God and King of Kings, to be nailed to a cross because of his love and esteem for us. And so we, having the same mind of Christ, can show honor to others for no other reason than that God loves those people and sent Jesus to die for those people. And man, I know, man, some of you have some difficult relationships with parents, and maybe it is a struggle for you to honor them. But if nothing else, at the end of the day, you can treat them with a degree of honor because they're made in God's image And God sent his son Jesus to die for them, and God desires for them to be saved, and if God willing, they are saved by faith in Jesus, they'll be co-heirs of Christ with you, and they'll rule and reign with you in heaven for all eternity. Maybe you're going to get your mansion in heaven kind of far from theirs on purpose, but still, (laughs) still you should honor them. One of our team values at the church, for those of us who uh, serve on staff here, and also for anyone who serves on a team as a volunteer, it's the phrase honor up, down, and all around. And we say we treat people better than they deserve. Like you've heard people probably say, I'll give you respect when you earn it. It's like, no, we're going to honor you. We're going to treat you better than you deserve. Not based on you earning it, but just because we're people of God and we want to honor one another this way, the way that Jesus Honored us by coming to live among us and die for us so that we could have forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Aren't you thankful for that? It's a privilege that we get to honor other people that way. None of these ask us to live a lie or act like someone is praiseworthy when they're actually blameworthy, but we can honor because of the grace of God. And God will bless you for it when you honor your parents. There's a promise it will go well with for you. You'll live a long life in the land that God is giving you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for a moment. The first thing I want to do is, if you are a Christian, and maybe something about this message has either convicted you or challenged you or caused something difficult to rise up in you, maybe some pain, maybe you have a strange relationship of some sort with your parents, the first thing I would invite you to do is to forgive them if they've hurt you. And if you feel like you can't forgive them, the first thing you need to do is just ask God to help you to forgive them. If you don't want to ask God to help you to forgive them, then ask God to help you to want to (laughs) ask God to forgive them. I don't want to forgive them, but I want to want to, God. And I need your help. Forgiveness is so healing, and it's so important for us. And the Lord Jesus reminds us that if you want to receive mercy, you've got to give mercy. And if you refuse to forgive others, then God will refuse to forgive you. So it's, it's okay that it's hard to forgive others, but it's not okay to refuse to forgive others. Maybe you know on some level that you haven't been honoring to your parents, and you need to confess that and repent of that to the Lord. And just determine that you're going to make that effort from this day forward. Out of honor to God, you're going to try to honor your parents. Take care of them. Communicate with them. Show them love on some level. Treat them as significant. Take care of them if they need it. Be the kind of kid to them that you hope that your kids will be to you. And I know God will bless you for doing that because he keeps his promise. And then maybe you're here, maybe you're at church with us today, and, you know, we're just right now taking a moment, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Maybe you are not a child of God because you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus, and this is the perfect moment for you to do it right now. We don't know how long we have in this life to make this decision. We don't know how our days are numbered and only God knows the hour and the day that you know, it's gonna be over for us. But we have while we're alive on this earth to make the decision to either reject Jesus as Lord or accept him as our Lord. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But if you confess your sin to God, he's faithful and just to forgive you of sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So maybe that's you today, and you're sitting at one of our campuses, you're watching online, you're listening on a podcast later, and right now you say, I wanna accept Jesus as Lord. Okay, let's do it. pray this prayer with me right now. Just pray it wherever you're at. Say, God, I confess I've sinned against you, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Son of God. And I ask Jesus to save me. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. I'm putting all my trust in Jesus. From this day forward, I'm gonna follow him as a son or as a daughter who is forgiven and free from sin. And I receive the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I ask you to lead me from this day forward. In your name I pray amen amen hey let's stand to our feet we're gonna take a moment to respond to this message with worship as we're getting ready to respond I want to do this if you just prayed that prayer we want to celebrate with you on the count of three raise your hand so we can celebrate one God loves you two welcome to his family three raise your hand up come on be proud of it be bold that's awesome thanks anybody else at any of our campuses online just raise it up We're just going to hand you a Bible as a gift. Listen, honor your father and mother. God promises it will go well for you. There's a reward. And all God's promises are yes and amen. You believe it? Come on, let's sing.
2: i so grateful for the promises of our great God. You can go ahead and take a seat for just a few more moments this morning. We're gonna continue worshiping God by bringing our tithes and our offerings to Him. And you know, God is doing incredible things here at Generation Church. Last Sunday was Baptism Sunday, and it's one of my favorite things to hear the testimonies of people who have recently decided to follow Jesus. And last week, over 30 people were baptized across our campuses. And just a few of the testimonies I wanted to share with you. One woman shared with us that she had been free from the addiction of meth for 50 days, and she was declaring her faith in Jesus. Another man said that he had struggled with an addiction his entire life, and he found Jesus here at Generation Church and was free from that addiction. One young man came to our church uh, two weeks ago, was saved, was baptized last week, and he, I talked to him in the lobby after church and with tears just streaming down his face of how free he felt in his new life in Jesus. And these are just a few of the testimonies of the life change that is happening here. And this is only possible All of the life change is only possible because you give. Through your giving, People every single Sunday are deciding to follow Jesus and experiencing new life in Him. And that's why we exist as a church. So thank you, church, for your obedience to God's word, to your faithfulness in your giving. Every single time you give, you are a part of every single one of those testimonies. So let's continue to be a generous church who wants to see people far from God experience new life life in Jesus. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're so grateful for who you are, all of your promises and your new life that is available to us. And Lord, we give to you today with joy and gratitude in our heart. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to use us as a church and individually to reach people who are far from you. We love you. We honor you. Amen. Well, another way that you can get plugged in and connected to all that God is doing is by joining a team and serving on Team GC. And if you're ready to get plugged in, your next step is our G101 class. This is a one hour class where you will learn the vision, values and heart of Generation Church. You'll get to meet some of our key leaders uh, and just learn how you can get plugged in and connected and serve on a team here. If you are ready, to serve, G101 is next Sunday at all of our campuses. So you can go onto our app and RSVP RSVP for the G101 class that best fits your schedule. Parents, I also wanted to let you know that next Sunday is our child dedication service. And this is an incredible moment where you as a parent can declare to your church and to your child that you are going to do everything in your power to raise kids. Kids who love Jesus. Now this is traditionally uh, done when a child is born but if you have kids that have you have never dedicated to the Lord, I invite you to go onto our app and sign up next Sunday to dedicate them to Jesus and we as your church family will partner with you in that decision to raise kids who love Jesus every single day of their life. Thank you so much for being here. We love worshiping with you every Sunday. But listen, if you came to church today with a prayer need of any kind, we have a trained prayer team that is available to pray with you after every single service. They're coming forward right now. So don't be shy. We would love to pray with you. That is what your church family is for. Have an incredible week. We love you so much, and we'll see you next Sunday.